Romans 8, 26 through 28. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Reads like this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches the hearts. Searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. So in verse 26, we do not know. But in verse 28, there's something we do know. So we're going to deal with that for just a little bit. What we do not know and what we do know. So our message today and our assignment is it's going to work out. In spite of what you know or you don't know, it's going to work out. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. You're so good to us. You love us. Who loves us like you? Who's been there like you? Who's seen every mood, every attitude, everything we've done, every negative thought? You've been there every step of the way, and it's never changed your love for us. Your love is unconditional, meaning it bears no condition. So, God, we thank you today for your love. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm not going to be very long tonight. I'm going to do my best to have you out here, maybe about 10 o'clock or something like that. All right, I got a little bit of mixed emotions there. I like that. I want to start tonight by saying that life in itself is full of beginnings. We never really come to a place where we are not beginning again in something. The chronological order or the order that we know to be life, what we would call a Sunday through a Sunday, has a process that always puts us where we are constantly moving towards new chapters. Now, you build patterns in life where you get used to doing certain things, whether you have your coffee every day or you get up at a specific time, a specific hour. But the truth is, it's still a new day. Although you do the same thing, it's still a new day. New moments, new things that you endure. Once again, the pattern may be the same, but the day is new. So when we are born, we are born and totally dependent on those that are over us. Parents, uncles, aunts, you'd be surprised what people are born into. And we are born into a system that is constantly shoving us into foreign territories. Constantly pushing us into a place where we are uncertain of what tomorrow might hold. Or uncertain of the challenges and whether or not we can actually handle them. I mean, if you think about your life, you're always beginning again. You, you know, sometimes we feel like we've accomplished something, and we do accomplish things, but we are constantly beginning again. You know, when you get to high school, I remember when I got to high school, I said, man, I'm finally here, not knowing I was just beginning again. Then you graduate, you're like, man, I finally graduated. Then you go to college, and you find out you're just beginning again. 
You finish college, you say, ooh, I'm done. All of a sudden, you find yourself just beginning again. Then you get married, and you really find yourself beginning again. Oh, I finally got married. Then you have one child. You find yourself beginning again. You have two and three. Then you really find yourself beginning again. So life can be full of beginnings. And one of the difficulties about moving towards foreign territory is although we've learned some things, there are still things we're going to confront that we're not really going to know what to do. And the hard part about knowing that you're moving into foreign territory is that in life there are no do-overs. You don't get to push the reset button of life and say, I'm just going to start over like nothing ever happened. Y'all remember the reset, they don't have reset buttons anymore? They used to have a, y'all remember Nintendo? They're like the original. I, I, I never really played a lot, but they had a reset button. And no matter where you were, like if you were about to lose your guy, like you were about to die in the game, you go and reset it before you died. You went all the way back to the beginning like nothing ever happened. Well, life is not like that. You don't get to reset button and act like nothing ever occurred. You still have to take every day head on. Life is not like a DVD player that you can skip chapters and say, you know what, I don't like this part of the movie. I'm going to skip to two years down the road. No, you take every day head on. Every moment you have to look it in the eye and say, listen, God is po- all things are possible through God. So when you deal with life and you deal with life in a whole, you deal with marriage or having children or having family, you deal with ministry, you deal with something that's constantly promoting fresh days new opportunities. And one of the things that I've learned in this short time that I've been in ministry is there are certain things that you will never really fully understand until you experience them. And until you've really experienced certain things and gone through certain things, you technically remain somewhat uncertain about life. Because you don't wake up in the morning saying, I know all the answers. You don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I know this and this. You may know what your job holds. You may know the people at your job, but doesn't mean you know exactly what the day is going to hold. And there are certain things that only experience has a way of teaching you. For example, I learned that after about two or three kids, you become a better parent. Now, that first kid, I always feel sorry for the first kid. I'm going to be honest. And parents, you can be honest, too. I feel sorry for the first kid. Because parents can act all day long like you know exactly what to do, but when that baby is crying at 2 o'clock in the morning and don't stop for an hour and a half, (laughs) you have to tell yourself this is the moment where I have to really ask God to give me some strength. That first kid gets all the mistakes of the parents. They whoop them at the wrong time. They get after them at the wrong time. They think about it. Was it that right time? I don't know. I haven't had kids. I don't know. You're looking at me. You're looking at me. I'm not sure. Because if you are learning, you have begun again. Then you have your third or fourth. Yeah, I got it going on. It's, It's a little better now. You know, that first time that first kid falls off the bed like, oh, oh my gosh. You swoop that baby up off the floor. You call the emergency. You call the military. You call the the Marines. Everybody, my kid fell off the bed. About the fourth or fifth kid's like, oh, he'll be all right. Didn't look too bad. But that first one is like slow motion. No. Experience will help you and help you organize to respond to life even though you don't know what the day holds. So I want you to take note today that what is never given to you nor taught to you, you have to experience and you have to learn. There is a learning 
that God desires of his people so they won't spend the next 20 years guessing at life. Because the problem with guessing is you're never sure of the outcome because you say, well, it might be this or this. The problem is it's inconsistent because you're not sure of the answer. Listen, I would rather someone just tell me what it is than stare at something for three hours and never really make the right decision at the end of the day. Therefore, God desires for us to have an ability and to experience specific things all for the purpose of having a learning about life. So listen, I'm grateful for people of experience. I'm grateful for people of wisdom who are willing to pour out and say, listen, I've been there. I've done that. This is what you need to do. I am definitely by no stretch of imagination a perfect man. I don't have a perfect family, yet people are always asking me, man, you have such a great family, and your marriage looks wonderful and looks healthy. I said, look, look, I have, I've had people pour into me. I've sat in counseling sessions for what? Listen, I don't even need to need counseling. I just say, hey, counsel us. Counseling is, uh, for example, when we do with counseling, usually when we, we, we come to counseling, we come to counseling, we seek the pastor, and we're about to lose our minds. Okay, we wait till then. Finally, when we're about to give up on life and give up on people and get a divorce, we come see the pastor. <laughs> Versus... When it starts creeping up on us, say, Pastor, I've been going through some things. No, we wait till the last minute. I said, Pastor's a man of God anyways. And we come sit down in those chairs, and he said, and what's going on? We begin to spill the beans. This has been going on, Pastor, for the past two years. Really? All this time you never shared anything. I've discovered that when I feel myself, whether it's even a little bit, going through some changes, I seek counsel. What do I need to do? What's the best thing to do? Because in the process of asking and the process of requesting, wise people will pour into you, and we as people must make ourselves vulnerable and say, pour it in. I got to know it. Give me the information that I need to see success in the areas of life. I mean, when, you, when, when computers first came out, everybody was wondering, what, what, do, what do I do? We're looking at this and looking at that. Then the internet came out. And nowadays, these kids are on iPads and iPhones, and they, they, they scroll on, you got little baby fingers scrolling on YouTube. I mean, they got all these gadgets. But when we were younger, and the computers were still like this long, this wide, the screen was like this big, and the computer was this... <laughs> It was like, whoa, you had to ask for information. You had to ask. You asked people who already knew, credible people. What am I saying today? I am saying that we as people must be faithful to say, I need the help of experienced people. We are who we are because God has poured in so much of the power of experience. Now, think about it like this, okay? And hang with me. I promise I'm going somewhere. I'm not just, what do you call it, jibber-jabbing. Where would we be had we just listened to people of experience? How many mistakes would you have never made had you just listened? How many times did it tell you, don't do it? Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay, okay. And again, don't. Where would we be if we were some good old-fashioned listeners? I'm talking to them, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, good old fat. What is it about us that we think of God's command like it's a suggestion to life and we ponder on it and say, well, God, I'm not sure if I want to use your commands today. I'm going to think about it over fast over the next 30 days. Then I'll let you know if I'm going to follow your will and follow your way. What is it about us that looks at God like he's suggesting what we should do rather than telling us what we need to do? 
over the course of time, it seems like people are getting smarter, but they're also getting more ignorant. They're sharper. They learn more, but they reject more. They have more academics, but they have less humility. Therefore, pouring into them is almost impossible because they already know everything. The problem with people that are people that think they know and are already full, there's no pouring into them. Therefore, they spend their life making mistake after mistake. And had they just made themselves available to the power of experienced people. Someone say experience. And, and the reason I'm dealing with this just for a little bit, because experience is absolutely needed in life. Experience will put things to the test. Experience will reveal certain things about us. Experience will express what it is and where you really are in your daily walk. In other words, I can have all this greatness and all this potential, but until it's put to the test, I really don't know what it is I possess. You can say you got power, but it's not until you're put in a moment that you have to use everything you've learned in life to promote the king of kings. Now you know what you're really made of because now you have found out this thing works not because I heard about it, because I've experienced it. There is an importance about God wanting us to experience specific things in life. One of the things that I have grown to admire about some of these old grandmothers is they can make a meal from anything. I mean, just anything. What do you got? I got some corn and some meat. I got it. We look at that like, that ain't no meal. We used to Whataburger and everything else. These grandmothers of our past that have went on to be with the presence of God, they can make a meal from it. They'll fry your socks and put them on your plate and they'll taste good. I mean, I'm telling you what. When we, when we begin to go through changes financially in California, most of the young marriages and families they were going through, they didn't know what to do. They, they, I mean, they had no idea what to do. Then you got all these senior grandmothers, oh, you need to do this, honey, just do this, don't worry about that, don't worry about that kind of thing. They begin to pour out wisdom, and all of a sudden I said, man, I gotta get together, I gotta, I gotta pull some of these seniors in with these young mothers, because they have no idea what to do. A baby's running around, screaming everywhere, and they're like, look, oh, I don't know what to do, I'm crying, this old grandmother come get that baby by hand, sit down, boy, and they, they sit down real quick. I had to pull, I'm realizing, I realized that although they're young and they're sharp, they're, they lack experience. So they're spending time guessing on life rather than actually having information. Listen, listen, information that has been poured out from the mouth of experienced, incredible people will bless you in your future. Because the moment's going to come where you're going to be encountered with the situation and you're going to have to, you're going to have to apply what it is that you learned. In other words, we have to become people that are not just information takers. We got to be applicators. We have to know how to apply what it is that we know. We have to know how to release what it is that we know rather than just have all this good stuff. What do we do with the good stuff? What do we do with scripture? How do we apply scripture? How do we apply the word of God to our daily living? That way as we work through the kingdom, God will work and allow that word to work through us. Amen? So one of the things, and one of the things, and I'm going to try and take a, a, a turn here. One of the things that I do every time I come to Texas is I have to eat barbecue. Just got to do it. It's like a must. I have to eat barbecue. And I got a couple of stations that I really like, so I go out on my way just to eat some good old-fashioned barbecue. We got okay barbecue over there, but it's Texas barbecue. What can you do? 
And there's a particular place that, I mean, the barbecue's just good. Just good. I enjoy every moment. I, I, and I'm a fast eater, but I eat slow there. I said, I don't know when I'm have this again. And I begin to explain it to, to some of the folks from Cali. I'm like, listen, man, this barbecue. And I took pictures. I showed them, the, I showed them the, all the cinder block. Because, you know, over here, the, they, they don't have like a barbecue, but they got like cinder blocks. And then on the cinder blocks, they have the mesquite over here. And they got all the, the meats over here. And, and, and uh, we, we don't have tri-tip. What do y'all have here? Brisket over here. And they got the sausages here. And they, they had all the meats and all the smoke. And it's just heating and slow cooking. And I'm like, man, you got to see this. It's so good. They said, man, I wish I, I, wish I can taste it. I've given them information the problem is no matter how much information i give them they lack the experience of taste now psalm said some psalm 34 says something that says it like this is it oh taste and see that the lord is is what is therefore in the hebrew that word taste means experience the goodness of god to experience the goodness of god therefore god is not something that you can just merely have as an informational tool. God is not a resource that you grab when you feel like it. God is the source that is interwoven in through the entirety of your life. We can't treat God like he's an extra car and just when we want to, we pull him aside. I say, I'm going to drive this thing today because I need, I need the help. No, God is, God is supposed to be not just the head, but everything about us. You know, so I say God is first in my life. He's not just supposed to be first. He's supposed to be second, third, fourth. He's supposed to be everything about you. From the moment you wake, it's Christ. To the moment you sleep, it's the Father who embraces you, who holds you. Therefore, when that scripture said, oh, taste and see what the Lord is good, what it's saying is you have to partake in the goodness of God. Therefore, God becomes an experience. God is not someone you can just see in afar and take the fullness or you'll never quite understand. Although there are certain things we'll never know about God, there are certain things that God expects us to know. Then there's things that God says, you got to experience this. I mean, let's take the word grace. How do you really explain and express, express the word grace? I mean, I mean come on. It, I mean, we can give you the definition. We can give you the thought behind it. We can give you the understanding behind it. But it's not until you're put in a situation that you say, God, I really, you know, like Paul who said, I went to the Lord over and over and he spoke and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's in moments like that that we find out and we apply the word that we get the fullness of God's word. Therefore, God is not just something that we can stare at. It's something we have to know how to partake in. For example, worship. Let somebody say worship. Worship is not something that we can just look at and say, oh, that's a good band. They did so good. She's so cute on keyboard. It just blesses my soul to see them blessed. They're not here to entertain you. The praise team is not here to move you in terminology of play well so they can get, so they can wow you. We are all here corporately for the purpose of moving into the presence of God and allowing ourselves to have an experience with God. Because if God is just something you merely stare at, then you might as well create yourself a whole other belief system because the God we serve, he said, I want you to taste, receive, and see that I am good in every dynamic and in every way. Therefore, if we're going to really experience God, we're going to have to partake, we're going to have to partake of it, amen? 
we can't just stare at the barbecue and say, I wonder what it tastes like from here. No, you have to indulge. You have to feed. You have to move. We have been looking at God, expecting just the overflow of everybody else's worship to make us feel versus engaging ourselves and say, God, I'm right here. Hands lifted up. I can't sing, but I'm here. I can't dance, but I'm here. I, I don't know a lot, but I'm here and I need. There, there is something significant about hungry people. You see, here in America, we really don't know what it is to be really, really hungry. We, we think we know what it is to hunger and starve. We, we, you know, and I'm talking about a natural hunger. We really don't know. We eat like five, six. I mean, we are so blessed. We even have a five meal a day diet. You ever heard of that? Five meals. They said, Pastor, I got this. I got that. They told me I got this diet for you, but you have to eat seven times a day. I said, who has time to eat seven times? I barely have time to eat twice sometimes, much less seven. Oh, Pastor, it's going to buff you up. You're going to look like, like Wolverine and whatever his name is, Hugh Jackman. I mean, you're going to get buffing. I said, look, man, listen, I don't have time to eat that much. And it dawned on me how, how blessed we really are. We eat almost all day long. We get snacks and bread and we got, uh, you know, we can eat, we can stop at Valero and grab like three burritos if we wanted to. I mean, there is so much resource. So we don't really know what it's like to hunger, but you go to a place that they don't have all those resources. You go to a place where they only have significant amount of food to pick from, where they might eat, they might eat once in three days, and suddenly whatever you pull in front of them becomes a desire to partake in because there is a hunger. A hungry people, you don't have to impress. A hungry people, you don't have to look good for them. A hungry people, you see, preachers got to work hard nowadays. We, we got to work hard because we have to be eloquent and articulate. Got to make jokes, got to break the ice because we've become a generation that needs to be impressed by the person that is standing in front of us rather than just hearing God's word and say, preach, preacher, just give me the word, give me the word. I don't care how you bring it. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be masters of communication. What I'm saying is where is the generation that doesn't need to be served a perfect meal just give me the gospel just the way it is and it becomes more than sufficient for me hallelujah because there is an automatic hunger and in a push we begin to experience God in other facets and in other forms yeah experience I'm gonna say experience 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 will cause you to know certain things. Experience will cause you to learn certain things. I mean, we know that God is greater than our problems, right? We know that God is greater. I'm according to Romans 8.1, we know that there's no condemnation. According to Romans 8.39, we know that nothing can separate us of the love of God. So there's, there's a lot that we know. We are so blessed with resources in this country, it's crazy. And we got more commentaries now. We got almost children writing commentaries. We got commentaries everywhere. More re we got sermon.com. Don't worry about praying no more. Go to sermon.com, pull it right off, print it off, and just study and pray. You'll be all right. I mean, this <laughs> it is a joke, but we do have sermon.com. There is a, a sermon.com. You, have you seen that? It's crazy. They sent it to me. They said, Pastor, check out sermon.com. I've never seen anything like that. And, and I'm not against people feeding or, or sharing information. Uh, point being, we got resources to pull from. However, the problem in life that I'm discovering, generally speaking, is not what we know. One of the problems in life is what we do not know that weighs us down. It's what we do not quite understand. Now, Romans 8.26 points out that the believer is not left 
to their own resources and their own sufferings. They said they're not left alone to groan by yourself. That word groan means a mournful sound or pain or grief, a deep innate sound which deals with suffering and disapproval, a deep groaning or creaking, a sound due to a sudden pain, a continuing outburst. Scripture points out, and he point, the, the man of God points out in Romans, he said, look, God is not going to leave you by yourself. That's what I want. He says, I understand that. He said, even when you don't know, first of all, God would not leave you on your own. You don't have to face the pressure and the weight of life by yourself. And in your prayer time, even when words do not make sense or words do not suffice for what you are feeling and what you do not understand, he said, the Spirit of God will do. The Spirit of God will help your weakness even when we do not know how to pray. Even when you don't know where to start, where to begin. I just spoke with a pastor. He, he called me maybe at 2 o'clock in the morning. I, I got in. I mean, my flight was, came in like, I think, at 12 o'clock a.m. Saturday. And I went to bed like at 6 in the morning. So I only slept a few hours. And the pastor called me and said, uh, listen, I'm going through some things. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to pray. I don't know where to start. A very, very blessed pastor. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. And he began to pour out. He began to grieve. And he began to talk. And we began to pray together. And we brought up this scripture. That even when you don't know. Even when you don't understand. Even when words do not suffice for what you are feeling. God says you are not alone. Because what you cannot communicate. I'll communicate for you. Even the tears that stream down your face will speak a language to the Savior. They ask me, what, what, what language do you think God speaks? Oh, come on, he's God. He, he doesn't need to work necessarily by languages. Even the movement of our body speaks a language. Even our frown speaks a language. Our hands speak a language. Everything, even our walk will speak a language to the Savior. Therefore, everything we go through, he has a comprehension. comprehension. And he says here, listen, you are not going to have to do this alone. You're not going to have to have pain alone. You're not going to have to grieve alone. You're not going to have to struggle alone, even when you don't understand. Because not knowing can be stressful. For, for example, one of the things that many of you are facing right now in life as parents or even as marriages. How many, how many married folk we have here? Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, how, how many, how many how got kids here? Got kids. Listen, one of the things that happens in marriage, a lot in marriage, one of, these, one of the things and the issues and the problems that happens, it's not that, it's not that you're a bad husband or a bad wife. It's you don't know what to do in, in hard times. You, just, you don't know the right thing to say. You just say whatever comes out of your mouth. I, I sat with someone one time, and when I sat with them, they're actually naturally good people. They're pastor. They're really good people. And when I say good people, they, they're, they're, they, you know, they come in church, they're good Christian, hey, God bless you, they serve, they get their own time. Man, these guys are sharp. And then when they begin to sit down and say, we need counseling, it's okay. Well, they, start, they started talking to each other. I was like, whoa, are y'all the same people? I almost didn't recognize them. <laughs> and, and I said, I got the problem, I got the problem. Tell this pastor, tell her. I said, y'all are horrible spouses. <laughs> y'all are really bad. It, it's, listen, it's possible to be a good guy and a bad husband. It's quiet, huh? It's possible, you ready for this, to be a good friend and be a horrible wife because it takes two different dynamics. Yet, if you just entwine them, everything will work out. I see here the problem with y'all treat each other horrible. Y'all treat each other, everybody else great. 
Y'all love on everybody but each other. Y'all kind to everyone but each other. This is what they told me. We don't know what to do. There's the problem. One of the things that people face, it's, it's, not, it's not that they did have opportunity. It's that they did not know. There are certain things that no one has ever been taught. And some of this is going to hit home some of you. There are certain things that no one has taught you. You never saw the example of a loving husband. You never saw the example of a father. You never saw the example of a mother. Nobody taught you how to budget. Nobody taught you how to have credit. Nobody, I mean, some of you were, about like, were like 20 years old and you had bad credit. How do you have bad credit at 20 years old? You just got credit two years ago. You got 20 cell phone bills and you got 14 credit cards. Nobody taught you how to budget. Nobody taught you how to do this. Nobody taught you how to pay your tickets. If you pay a ticket, you don't play with the government. They're going to lock you up. If they... Nobody taught you. Some of you learned by experience. <laughs> she said, I experienced that, Pastor. I got stopped and got pulled over I, two nights in jail because I had an unpaid ticket. No one said, hey, you don't play with the government. No one, no one told you that they will freeze your account if you don't pay the loans. No one told you those things. There are certain things that some of you have never learned. Never. And you have guessed your way to where you are. And it is only by the hand of God that you have still been able to pull it together. It is only by the hand of God that you have not lost your spouse. Only by the hand of God. Because there are certain things that were never taught 30 years ago, 40 years ago. If we can be honest, there are certain things they never taught us. We are, we are the, 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 gener the generation of the 80s is a very di different generation from the 50s and the 60s, even in the 40s. The problem is they transferred what they knew, which was great in certain areas, but very limited in other areas, into the generation of the 80s. So here we are growing up, trying to accomplish certain things. We're trying to pour into our children, say, hey, I want you to be better at this. They'd be better at this. They got programs like the Dave Ramsey program. We got all this good stuff and all this resources and all this information that we're pouring in to our children all for the sake of we never learned this in the process of growth. We learned just it max it out. We, we will believe God later. You ever heard that? We believe God later. <laughs> we'll trust the Lord. And all, and all of a sudden, you know, what's credit? you can't tell the creditors, say, hey, listen, man, I got the money, but I'm having faith and I'm trusting God. They don't care about your know, never trusting God. They want their money and they want it now or you're going to be locked up, man. There are a lot of those things that no, none of you ever learned. And you never learned them because you were never taught them. Therefore, what you didn't know has become one of the demises of your life. What you didn't learn by seeing, what you didn't learn by experience. There are certain things I never, ever knew. No one taught me. So I had no choice but to pursue people of experience. Some of you can't find a job because you don't know how to dress for an interview. Some of you, like I said, can't budget because you don't even know where to start with that $250 you get every couple of weeks. And boy, what you could do if you actually learned that you can take care of this and have this. What would, you, what would you do if you said, man, I don't have to have no, man, I don't have to have all these cards. If I could just pay everything cash. You Back in the day, they didn't teach you. Just get a, man, you got a credit card. You're amazing. You're a good man. You got a visa. You're incredible. You're successful. You ain't got no money coming in. Ain't got no resource. Got no job. But you got a credit card. You are somebody not knowing... There are so many things that people have never been taught throughout the course of time. And now in people in their 40s and their 50s, they are feeling the weight of what they never learned. Now they're married and they're parenting and they are feeling the weight of what they never saw or they're becoming the one thing they said they never become. They have the same temper that their daddy had even though they fight it all day long. Have you ever seen your parents in yourself? 
Have you got mad at somebody and said, ooh, I saw my dad all over me? <laughs> or you said one thing, yes, just like my mama. I can't believe that. I told myself I'd never say that, and out comes the DNA of my mama. So therefore, there are certain things that we never have heard, we never have understood. There are certain things that have never been laid out for us. But here's what I want to end with today. And I'm, I told you it was going to be long. I got you. I got you. I told you 10 o'clock, but I got you. Everything that I don't know about, because there's a lot that I do not know. I don't always know what to say. I don't always know what to tell my wife when she's going through difficulties, going through changes, because women change a lot. Women change like, I want to say that the woman it will change like every three to six years. Women go through a lot of changes in their passion, in their emotions, in their mentality. They go through a lot of shifting. Men say, really? That's why, you, that's why I can't get, I understand her? Yeah, about every couple of years when you thought you learned her, she just changed. Oh, I got you down. All of us, I thought purple was your favorite color. No, I, I, that was last year. <laughs> because women, the, the complexity of a woman is very different because of the way she thinks. Her, her, her thought pattern and her thought process processes very differently than the complexity of a man. The emotion, it's not that women are... are technically more emotional it's their emotion is actually different scientifically and in the mind the actual brain has a different processing that's why men you know you, you know men can look at some all oh, that ain't no problem you know one of the one of the frictions a lot of men and women have is the and I, I know this sounds like a marriage session I promise you it's not a marriage session but one of the frictions they have is as men don't look at problems like they're a big deal and they really are we believe that they're a big deal or they demand something to look at but you're not going to see us express yourself express ourselves the way women will express themselves when women are going through a challenge, they will express themselves and, and they will illuminate it to you and they will share it with you. Men will be like, eh, what's wrong? I'm okay. Everything's fine. That's it? Ask a man what's wrong. Oh, oh I'm fine. I'm fine. That, that's going to be the extent of the information you get because men can be very introverted. We are silent sufferers. We don't like to admit that we are at the point of giving up on life. And if God don't make a miracle now, I'm going to shut down. I'm going to shut down quietly. So when your husband is going through some changes, he's very quiet, you know, he's bothered. You have to either help, encourage him to seek out help or find people he can talk to and share things with. That's why he, that, so he won't wait two months and then finally the information comes out and he's been broken all these years and this months and you never knew why he was quiet. You never knew why he was going through what he was going through. Now suddenly you have all this information. It's like, man, no wonder you were feeling the way you were feeling. Had I known. What am I saying today? I'm saying there's a lot that we do not know. But for everything we don't know, God has given us information that we do know. He said it like this. He said it like this in scripture. He said it like this. He says, when you do not know what to pray or even not know how to pray, I want you to know that the spirit will give, bring utterances for you. Then he says, but I know that all things work together. Here is what we don't know. Here is what we do know. Therefore, he's giving attention to what you don't know, but he's not dislocating what you do know. In fact, he tells you to merely give an attention span to the understanding that I don't know these things, but to not let what you don't know overcome what you do know. Therefore, he supports what he doesn't know by what he does know, in other words, I don't know what's going on with my life right now. But one thing I do know is somehow or another, all things are going to work for my good. I don't know what's going on in this and I don't know what's going on in my finances, but I do know that all things 
are going to work for. I'm not sure how to, but I do know that all things, it doesn't mean that we can remain ignorant about information, but we cannot allow what we do not know to overcome what we do know because what we do know is still greater than what we do not know. And the, the fact that God has given us enough in our hearts, that should overcome what tomorrow, because the truth is we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds. We don't know what next month holds. We don't know what next year holds. What we do know is at the end of the day, God's going to work every single thing for my good. The good is he's going to work it out. How? He's going to, let's say it like this. Somehow or another, every single thing that we face in our lives is going to work out some way, somehow. What I do know is greater than what I don't know. Even when things are difficult and things are hard, we got to have enough information in our soul to know that God is going to work things out. Tap three people say he's going to work it out. Come on, tell somebody he's going to work it out. And the truth is, Paul is saying this. He's, he doesn't say he thinks He's confident. It can almost sound arrogant. He says, I know because I have experienced, I have seen, I now understand. I've been through enough in my time to know that at the end of the day, everything has a way of working for my good. It doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean it came free. It doesn't mean it was a difficult. I can tell you one thing, though. It works out. And there's something about experiencing life and putting God's word to the test, not in a sense of, I wonder if it works, no, it's a sense of approving to you that God is faithful as he says in his word. That's why it's important that we know how to apply the word of God in our lives because in application, there is an information that becomes revelation. Someone say revelation. We really won't understand great revelation or how God reveals certain things, not just an informatory matter, but an applicational matter. It's imperative that we experience the hand of God in our lives. There are certain things we have to go through. We've got no choice. It is inevitable to experience certain things in your life because it's in those moments that we get to see the goodness of God. It's in those moments we see God show up down in a midnight hour. We wouldn't have stories like Paul and Silas laid in the midnight hour had there not been experience. We wouldn't have great word like the Apostle Paul. He wrote from the experience and the fact that God came through. All that we, we read a Bible full of experiences, full of revelation, full of men who were suffering and going through pain. Their experiences have formed a revelation for us to let us know that no matter what we are going through, God will still come through at the end of the day. No matter how hard it is, God is faithful and he's real and he's good and it is going to work out everything will work out for our good it's, I don't if it's sickness if it's cancer if it's diabetes everything will work out for our good because God is faithful I know someone shout I know I know I know just take a moment lift your hand say I know I know that all things work together for the good I know that God is with me he's for me I know that if God is before me who can be I know I know I know you've got to know some things about your God you've got to oh hallelujah we've got to know some things 
about our Savior. We cannot be the generation that is illiterate when it comes to the Jesus we serve. We have to know what's available. We have to know what belongs to us. We must know that there is the goodness that belongs to us. We must know there's a prayer life that God intends for us to have. We must know there's a praise he intends for us to have. We must know there's a worship he intends for us to have. We've got to know. Hallelujah. Oh, for the presence of God. I, I might shout myself out of my shoes tonight. I don't know. I told myself I wouldn't shout that much and I wouldn't dance. But I, we have got to know. We cannot be the generation that does not know. We cannot be the people that does not know. We have to be the people that has an understanding that God can do anything. Because he's faithful. He can do anything. When no one else can, he can. When all, all systems have failed you, he can. You know, Pastor, we were, we were working on all our programs. All these pro We talked a little bit about all these programs we're working on. Trying to tighten them up, staff in place. And, just, and, all, and then the Lord began to deal with me. Not to make sure I don't forget about the gospel. Not to become a, a ministry that runs off of programs, but off the word of God. Therefore, we never lose the weight of his word. In other words, we don't attend a church because they have all these programs for us. We attend it because you find the word here. And one of the things I love about when I walked in, even the songs we sang, who sings songs with theology in them? Really? Resurrection. <laughs> Actual theology in songs. I tell you who a church that is founded on God's word. It's what you know that's greater than what you don't know. Therefore, the measurement of God's voice is greater than the facts that you see in life. Because when you deal with God, we don't find scripture. I, mean, I want to be careful how I say this. We like to say God is bigger. But to say bigger means the expansion he grows. To say God is greater deals with measurements. Okay? The woman who gave her very last, right? Gave her last mind, last of what she had. What did they say? Well, we've been given all this stuff. And they stopped and said, hey, hey, she gave more than you. Now, that doesn't make sense because factually, she didn't give more. Factually, she didn't give more. I mean, come on. If I brought three pennies up and you brought $300, factually, <laughs> I didn't give more. But the measurement was greater. So the measurement of what you do know has to be greater than the measure of what you don't know. And when I was on the way over here, the Lord began to deal with me about how, some, how so many people lack knowing not in, and, and if you think I'm just talking about knowledge and books, you kind of missed it. I'm talking about life. What we do not know in life, the measurement of God is enough. 
He is more than sufficient. So even where you lack, God says, I got you. Even where you don't have, God says, I have you. I don't know what to say. God says, I got you. I don't know what to do now. My kids are acting up. I got you. My son is strung out. I don't know what to do. I got you. My daughter hasn't come home in three days. I got you. Don't let what you don't know disrupt what you do know. Because what you do know is a greater measure than what you don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have the same job next year. It's okay. All things are going to work for your good. Doesn't mean it feels good. Doesn't mean it looks good. But somehow or another, God's going to work it for your good. And today I pray over the stress on people's lives. I pray over weight on people's lives tonight. The overwhelming movements of life, bills, finances, parenting, issues. And, and oh, I feel the presence of God. And in the name of Jesus today, I speak a release right now. I see stuff falling off people right now. Some of you are heavy burdened with stress. You are completely stressed out. But you are not going to lose your mind. You are not going to have a temper because some of you had a temper because you're always frustrated. You're always irritated. So you snap at your children. It's not that you want to snap. You got, it's like, ah, <clears throat> Normally you wouldn't say much, but because you're already frustrated, you snap at people, friends, family, spouse, loved ones. And it's it funny, the people we love the most are the people we have a tendency of hurting the most. But today in the name of Jesus, I speak that stuff lifted off you tonight. In the name of Jesus, all across this auditorium, I speak those things lifted off people. Issues and frustration, those that are dealing with suicidal thoughts, in the name of, I rebuke it today. You lying devil, I rebuke you today. I see you and I identify you and you will not have people's mind. In the name of Jesus, whoever you are, you've been dealing with the thoughts of my life would be better if I didn't live anymore. I rebuke the lie of the devil. You have worth. You are amazing. God made you and you are valuable. Father, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. You know what, listen, you could stand to your feet in the presence of God. The presence of the Lord is in this place. There's an authority tonight to break things off people's lives. I feel things being broken tonight. Discouragements and, and, and people that are depressed and you don't, have, you don't want to get ready. You don't want to get up in the mornings. Or certain, you actually have to make yourself get up and get dressed and put some clothes on because you're so depressed. But in the name of Jesus today, that is not going to be you. You are not going to be a statistic. We're not going to lose you to frustration. We're not going to lose you to irritation. In the name of Jesus, all, all across this audience, just raise your hands everywhere. Man, the presence of God is, I've, I feel stuff breaking off people today. Some of you that ha haven't been able to find a job and just haven't been able to provide financially. You've been going through some changes in the name of Jesus. Others of you that got money and you just don't know how to take care of your money. In the name of Jesus today, we break every yoke, every heaviness, every heavy laden, every burden. Everything's going, listen, everything's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. God's going to push you through. God's going to push you through. <laughs> His grace is enough. His grace, it really, really is enough. Enough, 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 enough to be victorious in your marriage and be victorious as parents. 
There's a couple who've been wanting to get pregnant and you haven't been able to get pregnant. I speak life into your womb today. In the name of Jesus, speak life into your womb that God will give you the ability to birth children. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over people. Light in the middle of darkness. Where there is darkness and there is confusion, I speak light. I speak direction right now in the name of Jesus. Breaking every, every burden, every heaviness, every weight of afflictiveness. God, in the name, we thank you, Jesus. The precious name of Jesus. The name that everything is subjected to. The name that everything is submitted to. That wonderful name that all authority rests on that name. The same name that caused resurrection after resurrection. The name of Jesus. We speak Jesus over people's lives. We speak Jesus in people's situations. We speak Jesus in people's mindsets. In the name of Jesus today. As we worship the Lord, I want to invite you to the altar. You say, Pastor, that's been me. I've been going through some changes. I've been going through some transitions. I've been facing some challenges. We want to pray with you today. Your pastor's here, of course. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you. We want to come into agreement with you. Some of you, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. Others of you, I'm just going to kind of pray generally over. But I want to encourage you to come to this altar. If you've been under the weight of circumstances, whether it's finances or you've been discouraged or you've been saddened, perhaps maybe your praise is a little weary, your worship is a little weary. You don't quite have that drive. Some of you have become very dry in your prayer life. We want to pray for your prayer life. We want to pray for that desire to read the word. We want to, some of you is just... Man, you never learn. You never learn how to talk to your wife. That's why you treat her the way you do. We want to pray with you. Others of you, you never learn how to talk to your husband. You saw your mama run over your husband. Now you run over your husband. And we, we want to help you. We want to pray with you in that area. We do not want you to go the rest of your life being a victim of your circumstance and a victim of situations. We do not want you to go the rest of your life being a victim to every single struggle and every single life deficit. That is not the will of God. You are no longer a victim. You are more than a conqueror. God has won the battle. God has given you the victory. God has given you the victory. You don't have to feel weary. You don't have to feel like everything is always going insane. That doesn't have to be you. Jesus.